You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. All right, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad you're with us. We have a live, and I mean a live audience here in Perth, but we also have... We also have live audiences all around the world, so can we welcome everyone around the world, wherever they are, where they're watching from, and it's so good that you join us in your home, wherever you're at. Um, The world's best preacher couldn't make it, so he sent me instead, and I'm here today to bring the Word. But you know, isn't it amazing the testimonies that God is doing? This is incredible. And um, we had multiple testimonies from Global Prayer Night. And so often in the rhythm of testimonies, we can get familiar because we're so used to hearing stories. We're so used to... um, oh yeah, oh, this person got healed, that person happened. And it, it can become a little familiar and we lose the power and the potency of what God is doing because with testimony comes the potential and the prophetic capacity for God to do it again because it awakens faith when someone in the same predicament hears that and goes, if God did it for them, He can do it for me. If He did it before, He can do it again. We're just saying, God, You can do it again. You've done it before, You can do it again. And so I, I actually want to take a minute of this message to actually share a testimony. And this is from a wonderful team member in Perth. Her name's Jewel Anderson. She works very closely with Jemima and myself. So can you give her a big hand? She doesn't like public speaking, but she's here today. How are you, Julie? You doing good? good. How are you? She hates public speaking, so we thought we'd put her in front of the whole world. Great. Great. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so, Jewel, just give everybody a bit of context for the journey. Now, I'll set it up by saying two and a half years ago, you came in from a weekend, it was exhausting, and you yeah. literally collapsed. Yeah. Went into hospital, had surgery, and mm-hmm. it began a crazy two and a half years. Yeah. Tell everybody the context. Yeah, so um, that was two and a half years ago, January 2018. Um, went home, they rushed me into surgery without really knowing what they were going to operate on, but they could see that there was severe pain swelling inside of my body. Um, and then that kind of led to a few different symptoms happening, um, really bad tremors in my hands, uh, pain all the time, 24 hours a day. And I also couldn't feel my hands. They were completely numb all the time. Um, so it was just every day in and out. And the doctors were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. They knew that it was probably neurological. They knew that it had to do with my nervous system, but they didn't actually know what was causing it. They could never find a like, cause and they could never diagnose it. So for two and a half years, you live with constant pain. Uh, you got all these symptoms. They have no idea what it is. No idea. And you sort of become used to it. But yeah. something happened last week. So what we did is a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, This Is Freedom, TIF, for all our staff yeah. in Perth. Uh, and it was a really powerful day. Incredible things happened. Yeah. But the lead up to that week, which was about a week ago from today, from where we are now, um, you started to get frustrated and agitated. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell everyone how you're feeling and what gave rise. And then let's go to what happened on that Thursday. Okay, so about a week in the lead up to that, uh, I just got frustrated. I couldn't see any of the medication working. There was no changes. I had a port in my chest, which was giving me medication, um, but it wasn't doing anything. So I couldn't see a point in it. And I just got really frustrated and I asked the doctors to take it out. I was like, I don't want to have this in my chest anymore. It was annoying taking medication so for, for context, just she's asking the doctors, but she works at a hospital. You work at a hospital. I do work at a hospital. So it's pretty cool. When you work at a hospital, you get like side benefits. You can go and get as many tests as you want. <laughs> like when you work at Macca's, Not you just quite. eat all the burgers you want. 
it's sort of a side benefit. But you, yeah. you, so you really had constant oversight around what was going yeah. on. Yeah, yes. So, so constantly around doctors, nurses, medical professionals. So you decided to stop taking the medication. Yeah, she doesn't I give advice. She just <laughs> Not uh, administrates <laughs> the advice when it comes to medicine. So yeah. anyway, yeah. and then what happened? Um, so they took it out on the Monday. So since the Sunday night, I hadn't had any medication. Um, was on a little bit of pain meds just to keep me going, but nothing that usually was keeping me alive, keeping me running. Um, and then on the Thursday, as you said, we had the staff TIF. Um, and we got to a part where we were just praying for healing, essentially. Um, and then um, I just raised my hand. Um, one of our pastors came over and he just like laid hands and he began praying. And the only part that I really remember from this prayer was that it would, um, God would remove the root issue of what was causing the sickness. Um, and then from there, it was just, I was in shock because it was like something that had been strangling me. Uh, let go of me and it wow. was like removed Wow! Um, which was and you crazy. said you physically felt it leave yeah, your body so it's like it's like almost like that thing that had been strangling me was causing all this pain and then when it was let go and it was released um, there was no more pain anymore incredible come on give God some amazing praise for that now can I also ask in that two and a half years had you received prayer had you gone up for prayer was that the <laughs> yeah. first time no prayed for hundreds of times, like wow. um, always going forward as much as I could, um, friends, family around me, constantly praying day in and day out. And, and that's a word for somebody there who's saying, you know what, I've stretched my hands towards this screen in the entire COVID season. It still hasn't happened Jewel, yeah. for two and a half years asking for prayer. And then at the back, I remember you went out the front, you was at no, the back of the auditorium, a simple prayer and bang, this thing leaves. Yeah. And so instantly, no pain, your back's nothing, good. No How's your hands? How's Literally nothing. All the, everything's fine. Yeah, everything's So you great. go to hospital the next day because you want to check it out. Yeah. And you get medically yeah. tested. Medically cleared. So I've had MRI, blood test, x-ray, CT scan. All of them came back clear. Come on, everybody. In fact... You've got the report. Can I have the report? We have here the report. This is the report. This is what it says. Can I read your report to the world? Go for it. <laughs> After reviewing your test from this morning, we are pleased to inform you that all tests have returned with negative results for abnormalities coinciding with your verbal testimony. We believe there is no reason to continue treatment at this time. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. Goes on to say, we are amazed at the sudden turnaround with no deficits in your neurological system or nervous system due to what appears to be a miraculous recovery in the doctor's report here. We wish to commence follow-up appointments with you fortnightly for the near future to monitor your progress. These will be arranged for you and letters sent out with the appointment. So really, they want to meet you fortnightly just to make sure the miracle yeah. continues. <laughs> just keep showing them it, that I'm here. It's just exactly. It's as, as far as I'm concerned, they're all going to get saved when they see that. They said it's a miracle. Yeah. And if it's a miracle, there's a miracle worker. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, um, I also understand you had some other complications. You were gluten intolerant. Yep. And so you figured you were so healed and so delivered, you were going to test it out. Yeah. And so thankfully, Krispy Kremes was made for such a time as this. And yeah. what happened? So I had a blood test that came back clear, saying that I had normal results. So on Saturday, we ate donuts. <laughs> and all fine, all, all good. All fine, totally Still pain-free. Pain-free. Come on, give it up. For Jewel, but really give it up for the King of Kings who healed her. Amazing, 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 amazing. 
You know, she said something really interesting and it really set off a bomb in my spirit when I heard the story for the first time. She said, the simplicity of the prayer was God removed this thing from the roots. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about removing it from the roots. Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read some verses and let's see what the Lord does. Mark chapter 11 verse 12 says, Now the next day, when they'd come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them saying, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, verse 20, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Verse 21, and Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Father, we just ask that this word would be life-giving to every spirit that is open, every ear that is open, every mind that is open. And Lord, we declare a convergence of focus of everything in our world that we would not be distracted by social media, text, WhatsApp, the stuff on the stove and anything else that would somehow, 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 somehow get in the way of the importance of your word landing exactly where it needs to land. Father, we thank you that everybody around the world is included from the newest visitor to someone just logging on online and even Even the timing in which they're watching it is prophetic, profound, divine, and appointed. And we thank you, God, that all of us would be changed because of the power, the presence, and the potency of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Everyone say, from the roots. God, before that, was cleaning out the temple. And I feel like that's what... We're in, we're in a season where he's cleaning house. Not physical buildings, although it's a good time to clean the physical buildings because no one's in them, but it's cleaning the church. He's cleaning you and I out. And uh, so he walks past a fig tree, curses it because it doesn't bear fruit, even though it wasn't the season for figs. Goes on, cleans the temple. They turn up the next day and they're shocked because the tree is now dead. But the reason it's dead is because it was dried up from the roots. After a while, when you struggle with an issue, you're sick of praying the prayer, God, oh Lord, clean the cobwebs, clean the cobwebs, and every day clean the cobwebs. At some point, somebody needs to get up and go, you know what, like Jewel did, frustrated, God, I'm sick of the cobwebs, kill the spider. Kill the spider and we won't have to keep cleaning the cobwebs. When God destroys something at the root, you don't have to keep coming back to deal with the same symptoms over and over again. 
And, you know, as a young child, we had chores in our house. Gardening was one of the things that we had to do. And uh, I, I hated gardening then. Maybe that's why I hate it now. Uh, but it was tempting because we had weeds grow on the lawn. And dad would come out to check to see if we'd done the gardening. But haven't you realized if you've ever done weeding, I don't know how they do it in this era. But in my era, you actually had to dig it loose and you could shake it. But it was, it was tempting sometimes to just rip the top of the weed off. Because as far as the inspector was concerned, the weed was gone because you can't see the roots. And yet the older I got recently, actually, this is very out of character, I took our boys to do weeding. Now, that's a real sad story because we have fake lawn. Who has weeds in fake lawn? That's how evil weeds are. So, they, so we literally went, and, and again, I could see the boys doing the same thing. But you know, now it's, there's a satisfaction when you get it from the root. Anyone know what I'm talking about when you've done the weeding? And you're like, you shake your leaf, you're like, oh, no, that's not good. I got, the, I got the leaf, but I need to get the root. And you even go to the pain of doing That's really what God wants to do when He sets you free. He wants, you to, he want, he wants to take it from the root. And yet... If we're just more concerned with how we look or just getting it over with, we can have an appearance like there's nothing there. But if it's not killed at the root, we just end up doing a reset. You know, if you deal this year with COVID, if you deal this year with the issues that have manifested in 2020, you may get rid of the leaves, but it's also a wonderful opportunity for God to remove something that has root issues that go way before 2020. It started well before COVID. It did not originate in China. It originated in your family. It originated somewhere else in the past. And God actually wants to deal with stuff that goes way back before instead of just dealing with the symptoms of what's happening. It's a wonderful opportunity. But yet, I've got to ask myself the question, why does it often feel like we tear off the leaves of the weed, but the roots remain? You know, we get temporary freedom, if there's such a thing. Or respite, I think is a better word. You know, and then we can even, if we're not careful, just live with that cycle. Um, you know, imagine if somebody had cancer and they allocated their money and instead of prioritizing the next round of chemotherapy, they prioritized the wig because of the hair loss. We'd be like, no, no, don't. That, 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 I know that's not good, but there's something far more important that we've got to hit. And if we hit that, don't worry, that stuff will take care of itself. And, and we, we would advise them accordingly. And yet we do that with all sorts of stuff in our life because we're more concerned about how we look than what's actually causing the issues. It's like me with the gardening. It's like Jewel with her frustration with that thing saying, God... And you know, the prayer was, take it up from the root, Lord, not just deal with the pain here, not just deal with man, deal with the root issue. But here's the challenge. Some of us are paid to clean cobwebs. You're paid to clean cobwebs. You don't want to kill spiders. If you get income from being a counselor, you don't want people to totally get over their issues. If you get a sense of friendship because your, your girlfriend always has a need, you don't really want to get over that need or you lose your friend. There is a challenge as to why sometimes the roots remain. And uh, I want to talk about a few conditions that exist. These aren't medical, so I warn you not to Google them because they won't exist. But you can learn a lot today as to why sometimes when we go gardening, the roots remain. First one, it's called blamitis. It's a medical term. It's just not in the dictionary. They're not up to it. You know, people, this, by the way, these days people are making up words, so I'm going to join the, join the party. Blameitis. Blameitis is simply the condition you have when it's always someone else's fault. It, 
did not start with me or you. It started with the first human beings. When, when Adam was charged, well, it's the woman you gave me. And there was a woman, it was the serpent you made. And this idea that it's always someone else's fault, it's 2020, it was COVID, it was my spouse, it was my circumstances, my parents, it's my genetics. And listen, you may be right, but you'll miss the root. You may be right. But blameitis causes you to miss the root. You made me do this. You know, think about it. Jesus could have blamed us. Why did he have to go to the cross? God, I can't believe it, Father. They did. It's the devil you created. Because the devil's a created being. And yet he didn't carry blameitis. He, he paid the price for us. And I thank God that he dealt with not only the symptom of sin, but the root of sin. That the blood of Jesus doesn't just forgive you, but it cleanses you. It breaks the back of whatever is holding you down. It doesn't just wipe the board. It literally cleanses you from the inside out. And here's what happens when we suffer from blameitis. We end up justifying the root. Well, see, it's not the root's fault that it's there. It's, yeah, someone else's fault that the root's there. Don't take it out on the root. Blameitis is a condition. Here's another condition. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Deflectionitis. <laughs> Deflectionitis. Yep, it's, it's been around for a while, but you can't find it in Google right now. Deflectionitis is like blameitis, but it's this incredible thing where, you know, just when you, you feel someone's starting to deal with an issue, you go, yeah, but what about that person? And what about what's going on there? And, and who are you to tell me that? Because what about when you do that? It's deflectionitis because what it's really doing is it's distracting you from the root. If blameitis justifies the root, deflectionitis distracts you from the root. Um, it's, it's like when Jesus restored Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I do, I do. Okay, well, here's what I want you to do. Well, what about John? Oh, hang on. You don't worry about John. You just worry about you and we will get to our destiny. See, comparison is often a symptom of deflectionitis. Because what we're really saying is, well, well, but they have the issue. Everybody in 2020 struggles with pornography. What's the big deal? And, and what we do is we don't deal with the real root that's robbing and killing and, and affecting us because we, if we don't blame, we certainly try to deflect. Jesus could have deflected. Think about it. I mean, I feel a bit sacrosanct giving the analogy, but he could have said, can't believe it. I'm always the one in the Trinity that dies on the cross. Holy Spirit just gets to come, fall, fire, 3,000 added. I do three years, die on the cross, I got 11. Father, you just up there sending the emails, giving the orders and the instructions. Somebody has to come and set up the cameras and do the work. And move the he could have easily done deflectionitis, but thank God he loved you and I enough to pay with his own blood. And as a result, there is no deflection that should stop you and I from saying, God, come on, take it from the root. Here's the third condition. I reckon you've heard of this one. Blameitis, deflectionitis, over-spiritualitis. This is a good one. Over-spiritualitis. Oh, this one's a good one. Um, Over-spiritualitis is an interesting condition because what it does is it, it keeps the root there because what you do is you rename the root. You know, blameitis justifies the root. Deflectionitis distracts us from the root. But over-spiritualitis almost renames the root. It's like, I've been a Christian way too long to call the root a root, a weed. Disgusting. Oh, we don't call it, we call it other things. So, yeah, I've just, I've just got, a, I've got a lot of discernment in my life. Nope, nope, you're just suspicious and genuinely negative. And you think it's discernment. I saw them. There's an evil spirit on them. 
do you, do you know their name? No, no, but I just discerned something. I just discerned it. And then we wonder why God never rips up the root of negativity. It's because you keep calling it discernment. You know, I, I, I just am so passionate about God, I have these bouts of righteous indignation. No, you have a massive temper problem. And, uh, and while you think it's righteous indignation, you'll manifest in anger because the root of anger never goes anywhere because we're calling it something that it's not. Here's another one. Well, I'd rather obey God than man. No, you just don't know how to submit to people. I've got a list of these symptoms we can keep going for a while. Is, uh, you know, and so by saying that, that sounds noble. Of course we should obey God over man. But don't call a lack of submission divine allegiance. I'm called to the whole body. No, I just can't handle local accountability. Over-spiritualitis is a killer. And then we, we ask God to deal with stuff, but then really what happens is the roots remain because now we're renaming the roots, we're hiding it. We call it, a, it's just a, a weakness rather. No, it's sin, God. And God is not looking to punish you. He punished His own Son so that you and I can get freedom. But then at the end of the day, when He says, tree, get up and die, He wants to take it from the roots. Don't waste 2020. Let everything die from the roots. Let it come up from the inside out so that there's nothing left, so that God, we don't have to go through this thing again, that we don't have to deal with it once and deal with it completely and I can promise you you won't waste COVID 2020 here's another one a couple more and then we'll uh, we'll worship and we'll just let God do some surgery how about that everyone okay for that here's another one excuse-itis excuse-itis it's a re- 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 it's hard to read Blame-itis, deflection-itis, over-spiritual-itis excuse-itis what does excuse-itis do it, it, it contextualizes the root it gives explanation to why the root is there. It's like Aaron in the Old Testament. When Moses comes back down the mountain and there's a golden calf, he's like, what happened? Wow, you were gone for a long time. Of course the church of Malaysia has gone rogue. Pastor Mark, you haven't been here. That's not, that's not happening. And the people just threw money at me and they took the gold and <laughs> turned up. And it's this, it's this mindset that just always finds ways to give reasons. And it sounds in 2020 like things like this. Oh, it's, yeah, but in my city, it's a bit tough. That's fine for you guys in Perth. It's fine for you guys in Auckland. Yeah, but in our context, you know, the government we have, you know, the family I have, the people. It's a bit like blame-itis. It's a bit like deflection-itis, but it's a bit more subtle because we don't officially blame anyone. We don't officially deflect. We just give context. It contextualizes the root. You know, here's, here's another one. It's not my season. Oh, I, I, is it, you want to do greenhouse? Well, it's just I've been praying. I, didn't, I even felt the lead the other week, but now it's just not my season. You know something? It wasn't the season for figs. It wasn't the season for figs. What does that tell me? I can never use my season as an excuse. This is not my season. I've got to wait till the kids are grown up, till we're cashed up, till we're saved up. We're all fed up. Jesus. It's not the season for figs. How can you curse a tree when it wasn't my time yet? 
It's not my season. If you've heard that, it could be a combination of a little bit of over-spiritualitis mixed with excutitis. But, but, but it's, it's basically this idea that, God, I, you know, fair enough. Don't, there's a reason for the root. Everything has a reason and a season. And so it's the season for this moment. There's a time for everything, the scripture says. So time for roots. Well, I want to dare say to you that unless you want to go around the mountain again, let's pray the kind of bold prayers that says, Father, Dig your way deep into the recesses of my heart. Find whatever it is. Kill the spider. Do whatever you got to do. Let it be dried up from the roots. Someone say, dry it from the roots. Dry it from the roots. Kill it from the roots. And the last one, I'll give you one more. This is a good one. Victimitis. Oh, this is a killer. They're all killers. Victimitis. In fact, if you're no good at excusitis, it might be because you have a severe case of victimitis. Victimitis is, woe is me. You know what? You are right. I've run out of excusitis, over spiritualitis, blameitis, all the other itises, and so I'm a victimitis. Yes, I'm such a bad person. I can't believe it. And you know what victimitis has as his goal? Self pity. So that everyone goes, oh, you poor thing. And what victimitis does, it makes you feel sorry for the root. Oh, poor root. No, the root is killing you. The root is why you keep going to the round the mountain over and over again. And yet if you have victimitis, you end up sort of stroking the root going, poor root. Everyone always judges you. No, you're a good little root, aren't you? You know, Jesus could have played the victim. He could have said, when Peter said, you're not going to the cross. He could have said, that's a good point. Why should I? I mean, you should or you should or Thomas should, Judas should. I shouldn't. You know what he said? Get behind me, Satan. Because he knew he had a plan, there was a purpose. And he literally said, get behind me, Satan. Because he said, I won't play the victim. There's a reason, there's a purpose for why I'm here. For this reason, the Son of Man came. For this reason, the Son of Man is alive. And so I won't even allow sympathy to distract me. Beware of satanic sympathizers. Otherwise known as friends that don't really help. Satanic sympathizers, that's a good one. Don't be calling anybody that. I'm just saying, beware that sometimes what they're doing is they're giving you a dose of victimitis so that you take off the leaves and so you feel better in the moment, but the root still remains. You know, let, let's have the worship team back. Let's, 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 let's get ready for what I believe God is about to do now. Um, you know, the removal of anything in your life is always exciting when God is at the source of it because He's making room to grow. Can I hear an amen? Don't waste the season by merely trimming the tree. Let God rip it up for the roots. Can I suggest to you everywhere globally around the world right now, the vaccine you need is not the one from Pfizer or from UK or even from Israel or from Australia or from China. The vaccine you need is Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And God, see if there's any wicked way in me and deal with it from the root. God, lead me in the way everlasting. That's the vaccine we need. It's the vaccine of humility. It's the vaccine of repentance. It's the vaccine of saying, God, I won't let blame or deflection or over spiritual terms or excuses or victim attitude ever stop me from getting what I need. Take it out from the roots. If you're cleaning the house, Lord, clean it from the roots and kill the spider. That's probably a good title for this message, kill the spider. And you know, as we close, I just want to give you something that just prepares you for what I believe God wants to do. If you're taking notes, write this down. Be still. You know, when I used to go for a haircut as a kid, in fact, still now, you have to be still. 
And as a kid, you sort of fidget and move and they're like, no, keep your head because they'll cut your head. If they, you, you, and you have to be still. For God to do His best work, you have to be still. In the dentist, even worse. You have to sit there and you're meant to be still and sometimes you'd move, ah, jab in the wrong jaw. It's like, be still. There's something about being still that allows the surgeon to do his best work. You know, um, if ever you've had an opportunity to be still, it's 2021, 2020. Isolation, still. And yet, maybe the enemy has used blameitis, deflectionitis, all these other itises. See, God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to be set free. Blame it is, deflection it is, excuse it is, all these things it is, but that's not what God wants for your life. What God wants is this thing from the roots ripped up and taken out. And guess what? Today I believe He's going to do it if we would just be still enough. You know, Genesis 2, 2, 2.21, great verse. This is what it says. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. This is the first guy in the Bible. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs. That's surgery. God fully did surgery on Adam. That's the first evidence of anesthetic in the Bible. So all you ladies who want to take the full anesthetic, I amen you. It's in the Bible. God created anesthetic before medicine got involved. He put Eve to sleep. He put Adam to sleep and he took out a rib and he closed up the flesh in its place. That's divine surgery. And that anesthetic sometimes is worship. Sometimes it's just being still in his presence and say, God, have your way. But here's the great news. When God does surgery on you, it's because he's got an Eve in mind. You can claim that if you're single, but I'm talking about the fact that He wants to grow you. He wants to multiply you. When He's taking things out from the roots, He's not just trying to be a harsh God. He's actually got future in store. Last week, we heard a great word from Pastor Martin Steele that the rains are coming. And so God is preparing the cisterns. He's preparing the wells. He's digging around your life because of what's ahead of you. So embrace it knowing that God has a future. God has an Eve. God has a revival. God has a rain. God has seasons of greatness in store for you. But every now and then, we just got to stop and say, God, we'll be still enough. And if you're taking notes, the last thing I want you to write is trust God. Be still and trust God. You know, God is such a good God. He's a divine surgeon that He could even use a local butcher and brain surgery will happen if He's behind it. He's so masterful. The people around you might feel like hacks and butchers and amateurs and dysfunctional people and pastors and parents and leaders and friends. And yet God is such a divine surgeon. He can use the biggest hack and cause there to be supernatural outcomes. Be still and trust God. Trust God enough you know, I've seen people go, well, you know, once COVID finishes, we're all coming to church. We're all going to wear masks. We're going to wear plastic shields. We're going to wear astronaut outfits and we're not going to get COVID. But then we're going to sing, God, you're powerful. You can protect me. What? How can you be fearful of meeting in the house of God with the God of the house? Talk about His all-consuming power and then not trust Him enough. I'm not saying don't take precaution. I'm not saying don't do But here's what I am saying. I'm saying sometimes we have to say, God, if there's a root issue of fear in my life, deal with the root. Don't just deal with this or with that or with this person or that person. Deal with the root. God, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. 
And we can trust him not only with the plan and the process, we can trust him with the pain, we can trust him with the outcome. One of the things that I really sense today that God wants to rip up and remove is people who have fear around consequence. You've got fear around, God, but what's going to happen if you really deal with this? I won't know who I am. I won't have anything left. I won't know if I belong. I won't know where I fit. And God says, just trust me even with the consequence. Trust me with the outcome. Just fall on my presence. Just fall on my house. Fall on my people. Fall on my word. Fall on me. Just fall on me. In fact, right now, I want to encourage you. Can, can you stand to your feet if you're able? Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're watching in bed. Maybe you're around with people. But I just want us to posture ourselves, be still enough and trust God that He would do something. And I'm going to invite you to pray a dangerous sort of prayer. It's the kind of prayer that says, God, have your way in me. You know, we've not only prayed dangerous prayers, we've sung dangerous songs. Probably the one that I know for a fact, there are people who don't like singing. I want to be tried by fire. Who wants to be tried by fire? Answer is nobody. But you want to be tried by fire if you're sick of roots. You want to be tried by fire if you're sick of going to the same counseling sessions and nothing keeps changing. You want to, because you know what fire will do? It won't discriminate. It won't go, oh, you worried about that? It will burn up everything. It'll get to the root systems. And God is an intelligent fire and He's a consuming fire. So when you say, Father, I want your fire, He knows where to go. He knows how to get there. And, and, and we just got to have the courage to say, God, whatever you want, clean my hands, purify my heart. I want to be tried by fire. In fact, can we do that right now all around the world? I dare you. If you've avoided singing this line, maybe now's the reason and now's the time to do it because you've never thought, but you've got to trust God. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him that He's kind. He's good. He's loving. He's Abba Father. He's for you, not against you. He's with you. He's for you. He blesses you. He cares about you, but He wants the best for you. So right now, come on all over this place. Make yourself a candidate for the fire of God. John the Baptist said, there's one coming after me who's greater and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That fire is the cleansing fire, not hell's fire. You either get cleansed on this side or burned on the other side. And yet today is divine invitation for God to do His best work, to say, Father, I'm not using seasons as an excuse. I'm not using blame. I'm not gonna deflect. I'm not gonna use excuses. I'm not gonna be the victim. But God, I just say, I welcome your fire right now. Father, we just declare, your fire falls in here. Your fire falls out there. Your fire falls in homes. Your fire falls in bedrooms. Your fire falls in every circumstance, relationship and situation. Have your way, God. Let it fall. Let it fall. Let it fall. Just be still for a second. Just be still. You know, there's something about God's fire that when you taste of a bit of it, you, you feel so clean after that. You're like, God, I want more. I want you. I so trust you. I so trust you. Lord, if you put Adam to sleep because you wanted to take out a rib and multiply his destiny, I trust you to do whatever you have to in my life. And you know, here's his promise. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never walk away from you. And no matter what 
is shaking all around you, no matter what is happening that surrounds you. I'm not asking you today to trust in horses or chariots, in people, in vaccines. I'm not asking you to trust today in pastors, parents or peers. I'm not asking you today to trust in your in-laws, your outlaws, your spouse or your children. I'm asking you to do one thing and that's put your trust in God. Put your trust so absolutely in the middle of who He is and what He does. Come on, right now, I want you to feel the tenderness and the wrapping arms of God. Yes, I know His fire burns, but here's His promise. You promise that you'll never leave us. You promise you'll never forsake us. There are some of you that you can feel a burning in your, in your, in your belly. You can actually feel, I can sense there are people now with just this fire. Some of you can feel it in your hands. You're not even sure what it is. It's not about a feeling, but I can promise you that God hears the cry of those who call. And if you would say, God, I refuse to blame. I refuse to deflect. I refuse to excuse. I refuse to over-spiritualize. I refuse to be the victim. All I know is I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And like Jewel, I'm sick of this, God. All I know is I want to be free and I want you. God says, I'll take it from the root if you let my fire in. Some of you, you're just going to need just even a morning in this next seven days. Clear some space for some divine surgery, for some gardening, for let the Father in. Let the Father in, let Him in. See, if it was just a gardener doing a work, I'd be nervous. If it's just a surgeon, I'd be hopeful. But if it's my father who happens to be the greatest surgeon and the most immaculate gardener, he, he's not only good at what he does, he loves me. My gardener loves gardening, but my father loves me. My surgeon loves surgery, but my father loves me. It's your father. There are people today who don't know that He's your Father. You're made in His image, but you don't feel like a child. You know you feel distant. And yet that's because He died for you, but He left the choice in your hands that all who receive Him would become children of God to those who call upon His name. And so if you're not right with God, pray this prayer with me. Join the rest of us as we do anyway, because the starting point of any relationship is the communication of I want you, I need you, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. Let's just pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for doing life my own way. I don't just want to accept you I want to follow you from this day on. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose on the third day. And because of you, I am clean. I am righteous. And today, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. From this day on, I am your child in Jesus' Name. Amen. Father, we just want to speak right now the peace of heaven over every household. Lord, I thank you just like an anesthetic. It brings comfort 
And Lord, that when we awaken, we're different. You know, I, 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 this is, I'm just going to release what I see now. There are some of you, it's a strange thing I just see. You need to put worship on for 24 hours on your house. Don't ask me why. You just, other things have filled the atmosphere of your house. I'm feeling this now. If you would just decide, just let it play. It's radical. If you're embarrassed, don't invite anyone over. But let worship fill your house for 24 hours. It's going to provide an, an anesthetic. And God is going to visit your children. Nightmares will stop. Strife ceases. There's a divine anesthetic. Some of you, I dare you, try it for a week. Put it on play. Put it just in the background, whatever. Just let worship fill the atmosphere you sleep in. It's a divine anesthetic because God is not here to hurt you. He loves you so much. Some of you in a season, and I'm saying this, and I'm not saying this doctrinally, I'm saying this because I really believe prophetically some of you are going to resonate. You need to stop listening to secular stuff and just soak yourself in the Word and the Spirit of God because He's going to do a work. It's a, uh, I don't want to even limit it by saying it's a season, but I want to encourage you, at least for a season, please, the Lord loves you. If you're sick of the cobwebs, if you're tired of the leaves growing back, Jesus can speak and the roots will die. And if the roots die, it means you will live. Father, I just want to dedicate every home, every household, every listener, every person, even those who have no freedom in their house, but they've got freedom in their bedroom. There are people even sharing rooms and you're saying, I'm sharing a room, I'm, I'm sharing a room and, and I can't, you, got, you can use headphones. Create an atmosphere, create a greenhouse around your spirit. Create a, an environment and watch God do His best work. Father, just have your way. We trust you, our Father. I thank you. You're not just good at what you do. You love us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.